Hello to whoever is watching around the world. This is Football Aranya, your home of Dutch football. You may be watching this on YouTube, listening on SoundCloud or listening on iTunes, but wherever you are, give us a like and subscribe if you're new um, to our platforms. We're available on social media. There's a website and all our um, other outlets where you can get this podcast available from. We're actually going to be showing a couple of pictures today. So if you happen to be watching on YouTube, then great, because you'll get to see a couple of images of whether the ball was in, whether the ball was out. Today's main topic, I guess, is PSV1 Ajax 2. Massive game at the top of the Eredivisie. And uh, there was a big decision towards the end of the game. Uh, I- I'm joined by Mike Bell, who is a football Adania editor. Mike, I've got to get your thoughts, first of all, on that. Was a ball in? Was a ball out? I mean, <laughs> this way the base is going to rumble on for let's go with this. From the pictures that we've seen, I mean, the ball looks like it's out to me and you know we've seen what some of the players have said and I mean it's what Cody Gakpo said it's even some of the Ajax players are admitting that they thought the ball was out um from the, the course ups it does look like it's out but it's not 100% conclusive and until you've got that sort of you know Hawkeye situation that VAR should be able to to pinpoint then you know it is up for debate and then you know it's one of these things that Ajax fans are always going to say it's in. PSV fans are always going to say it's out. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much marred a game that we should be talking about because of football and reasons. It's now a referee decision, and you know I think that's a shame. You know I don't think the game was great um, at all. So you know it, it's taken a referee moment to to decide it, and it's a bad it's a bad look for VAR. Who again. Um, which is coming under scrutiny a lot at the moment, you know, especially in the Premier League. We've seen a lot of decisions over this weekend there about VAR, and now we've seen one in the Netherlands that's going to come down to it. And you'll have PSV fans showing that this is, you know, the KMV favouring Ajax, and, you know, Roger Schmidt was getting very animated on the, the touchline about that. So, yeah, it's one that's going to be up for debate over the, the next few weeks, and it might be the decision that actually becomes crucial at the end of the season and might actually hand Ajax the, the title. Who knows? Well, that's that's the thing about it. It wasn't a mid-table game. This was potentially a title decider. If PSV remained top after this game with a win or a draw, you're looking at PSV having the upper hand on the title race. I think this is Ajax's all season long. For me, I thought that they were, they were going to lift it. But this win will undoubtedly swing the momentum their way. This is this is this is a, a, a podcast today where we want to be talking about this game, and I think the main thing we want to talk about first of all is this decision, because the, if if you're not too aware that it was one-one and the winning goal came from Masraoui scoring a stunning goal, but in the build-up, Daily Blint just about kept the ball in, or did it go out on the left-hand side uh, on the way to it being a goal? And um, if if you're watching on YouTube, I'll, I'll share my screen right now and I'll I'll show the whether the ball was in, whether the ball was out. But here, is it on screen, Mike? Yeah. Thanks, yeah. So, I mean, Blint hasn't even kicked the ball in this image here. And that, that is out for me. I'm, 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 I'm very much on the side of that was out. And I know when we put this poll up on Twitter, I think it was around 55% of you think that this was out, 45% think this is in. And if you are someone who thinks the ball was out, you're very much on the side of the ball was out. And if you, if you think it was in, then you think it was a good goal. And 
the opinion there is that, well, VAR can't overturn this because that you can't say for sure whether the ball was out 100% of the ball. And with that, that rule, by the way, where the whole ball has to be over the whole of the line. But in my opinion, this is over the line. Um, and I, I'm not a PSV fan. I would have liked to see the title race more exciting, of course. I don't mind that Ajax won today. Nothing to do with that. But yeah, that, I'll be very interested to hear people's comments, um, whether that's on YouTube, whether it's on Twitter. Do send us your thoughts on this. Was this out in? Was this out? And do you think that Ajax deserve to win today? Because I do think Ajax deserve to win, but not in this way. It was a great strike from Mazari, but this ball was out for me. Um, if I held a gun to your head, Mike, would you say it was in or would you say it was out? I mean, I'd say, I mean, I don't have the technology that the VAR has, and we don't know what they saw or what they did. But I mean, that image there, as you say, his leg's not even towards the ball yet. So to me, that looks like it's out mm. from that angle. That's the trouble, um, isn't it? It's yeah. the angles of it. And the, the other angle that was shown was from a really pixelated camera behind the goal. And to me, uh, people said, like, Yo, you've got the wrong angle. You need to look at the other angle where it doesn't look like the whole ball was over the whole of the line. And I saw this other angle and thought, that ball's over the line. <laughs> yeah. that, that was even more comprehensive for me. Yeah. I mean, I think looking at it like that, it looks like it's over the line. And... You know, referees, I've not seen any referee comments about it. I've not seen what, what's going to happen with, you know, there's probably going to be highlight shows showing it in other angles and seeing it from like a Hawkeye point of view, yeah. if that's possible. I mean, it should be possible in this, this day and age to get a better camera angle yeah. Than, yeah. than that. So, I mean, we should know if it's in or out. And to me, it looks out. And the game's come down to that. And it's again, it's a shame we shouldn't be talking about this in terms of, uh, a refereeing decision. It's, it's a shame that we can't talk about this game being won in in more mm -hmm. satisfying circumstances because it was a great strike from Israel and we should be talking about that. But instead, it's definitely it's marred yeah. from from that decision. And yeah, it's, it's a shame. I do think that Ajax actually going into the game were the better side, and I think part of that comes down to the fact that they are wanting to win the game, whereas Roger Schmidt, I think, set up to not lose. And I think that's what his game plan was from the start, is to to try and grind out a draw. Yeah. Which I think is a mistake, especially when once Brian Brobby goes off, that is a chance for, for PSV to go and do more. But just the way he set them up was was so negative, I think. I think it was a case of his win striker is to try and grind out a point that keeps them top. Um, and I think he gave them a bit too much respect in that way. Um, and I think it's only after that goal went in from Israeli that he did throw on you know, three substitutes in the last 15 minutes to try and go for it. But at that point, it's a bit too late. If he'd gone for the win from the start and got picked off by Ajax, then at least you can say they tried. But in this way, it kind of, I think Ajax were the better side in that one. And I think if they now go on to win the title, you're going to look at this game and go, yes, it's a bad decision from the referee or VAR. But also, why didn't Roger Schmidt try and be a bit more offensive going into this game to try and get that win that would actually put them well clear of Ajax? Mm. So, you know, for me, I'd, I'd question Roger Schmidt's tactics as I've done several times, but yeah. uh, I think he got it wrong in this game, which I think is a shame.
If you look at the results since 2020 of PSV against top three sides, they've now played seven uh, and won none. They've only drawn three and they've lost four. It's a shocking stat and one that is not leaving Schmidt that his side, yes, have ground out results against mid-table teams and won a lot of games. But compared to Ajax, they're not as good, of course, so they have to win those games. But they have to be more competitive. Losing 5-0 away early in the season, by the way, and then, yeah, losing at home today. No supporters, which was frustrating, I'm sure, for PSV. But the quality was, was there. Ajax had more on the pitch. They're not the kind of side that really get affected by fans and supporters anyway. I guess it only would have given PSV a bit more, a bit more gusto. But if the tactics were to, to get a draw, not to concede, then it would have been the same anyway. A shame that we've got players like Joe Veerman on the pitch who played a couple of nice passes in this game that didn't quite come out. And you think, well, what if you got on the ball more? What if you were attacking more? How much more influence could he have had? Uh, they're lacking their main striker. Ritz Doan today made a couple of good runs, but wasn't anywhere near as effective as Zahavi can be on the ball, not anywhere near as technical. He was not physical like a Vinicius. So that's, for me, what they were lacking. Mario Gertz had that moment of magic, didn't he, with the goal? Uh, but overall, Ajax were better. There was some good link-up play down both wings. Their wing play is excellent. I think it's what is winning them games, is what makes him so good in the Champions League and breaking down sides in the Eredivisie. Because Masvari and Anthony, when they're fit and playing together, they're very good. Very, very good indeed. And Blint and Tadic on the left, that experience is it's phenomenal for, for a side like Ajax to have. It's really putting them back amongst the Europe's elite, to be honest. Uh, they're going to be there in the, I, I think, the last day of the Champions League. So we'll we'll see how far it can take them. But in the league, yeah, they're, they're standing out. In games like this, they are better than, than a PSV. But PSV didn't also help themselves. No, I think that, as I say, the quality is there for Ajax. You know, Tadic got another assist. It was a good header from, from Brobby. He showed good determination. You know, he got injured in that. I think he's been an excellent signing for them this month because you saw him last week against Utrecht getting the goals and he scored again this game. Hopefully it's not out for too long um, until Howard comes back and then they've got two strikers who can score goals and even Danilo in the cup showing that he can do the business when he comes in as well. So they've got just all over the pitch, just strong. And I think today they controlled most of the game. I think that I think Joey Veerman did play well. I think he he got the assist as well for the the goals to go. But I just think lining up without the striker, I know Zahavi's not 100% fit, but they could have brought him on earlier than they did. Um, or even, you know, Ajax will give players a chance. You know, Danilo gets a chance, but you know, Schmidt's not willing to give, say, Fofana a chance in this game. Um, we might have added something a bit more up front for them because I mean it was a bit too easy with just Gakpo, Doan and Gutsa. I know that Gutsa got the goal, but it could have just posed a bit more more threat. And I think PSV needs a striker in there and they also need to get another centre-back, which they're trying to do before the, the window closes um, because there, there's a couple of areas in the pitch that are the weak on at the moment um, to try and get that gap shortened to, to Ajax. But I think right now, looking at the fixtures that Ajax have coming up, this is a massive win for them. I think that this now puts them really on pole position to win the title because I can't see them losing any of the Eredivisie games that they come up have coming up um, before they meet Feyenoord at home. And you know, usually at home against Feyenoord, that's usually a win, but that's the next tough game that I can see that mm. they've got because the next 
I think let's have a look here at the next well, run of games. Yeah. 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 And then Vitesse yeah. away is their next two league games. And I'm already looking at them thinking they might drop a few points there because they have ground out so many results this season that that result is going to be a massive sucker punch. But also, they're yet to drop those kind of points. And I think that's coming. And Ajax are going to go on this winning run now. And that might end up putting them in the coffin for the Eredivisie title race. Perfect for Ajax before their Champions League games, of course. Yeah, because if you get Ajax, you know, they're still trying to sign an attacker in Nyhattarin as well. So they've got Heracles at home, Twente at home, Willem, Willem Twey away, who've been absolutely hopeless. And go ahead, Eagle away. RKC at home, Camber away. And then in March, end of March, they play Bayern at home. So, I mean... Why don't you put that on the screen while you're saying that? Getting all fancy when you've got that, screen shares. That run of games, then you've got to say that Ajax are big, big favourites to win a title. I know that I've said this before, and the reason that Ajax aren't top is because they drop games and drop points in games that they should be winning. But looking at that run, and they've got to the end of March, this should be theirs now. I mean, this is today was crucial, and I think PSV have dropped it, and it should be Ajax's title now. I'm, I'm pretty confident now that I know I went PSV at the start of the season, but right yeah. now it's. It's Ajax's toys in a big way. I think one thing might be slightly underestimating there is the game against Twente. They're fourth place. They drew against Twente early in the season at Ajax. They lost at home to them last season, I believe, 2-1. One potentially to talk about that. I mean, the focus today is on the PSV Ajax game. But just dropping in a word about Twente, they're winning an awful lot of games. Could it be a trickier game for Ajax than anticipated? that Twente don't play in the cup in, in, in midweek, whereas Ajax do. W- would that be something that in their minds, you know, that kind of game? I think it would be tricky. It could be. It's, you know, Twente are showing good form this season. I've been impressed with them. I think that they are going to finish fourth. I think that outside of the top three, they're probably, for me, the, the side that looks nailed on to become fourth. Do you? I'm still thinking it might be RZ. I still think they've got that extra bit of quality, as I've shown when they beat them in the Cup, actually. Mm, I think AZ, for me, lack a bit of quality to finish fourth. I think if mm. one of the players, for instance, got injured, they don't have a, a backup. And results like the one against Canberra, I know Canberra are having a good season, but now against them, they couldn't find a way past them. It's because they're missing a striker. And I've, I've always expected them to go out in this month to sign a striker, but I've not seen anyone linked at all mm. so far. And it seems that they're happy to have it as Pavlidis until the end of the season. Um, I'm not playing devil's advocate here, but they did win eight win eight games on the spin before this draw against Cumber. But they've come back from a weak position, haven't they, to get up to where they yeah. are now? Yeah, and I think that Twente have a very strong squad outside of the top three. And I think it, it will be between Twente and Hazed. Um I think Vitesse don't have enough to, to finish fourth. I think they'll just concentrate in Europe, to be honest. Yeah. And I think that Twente will finish fourth. I think they've got the striker who can score goals, mm-hmm. decent defence, decent midfield, and a good goalkeeper. So I think all over the pitch, they've got what it takes. And I think they'll pick up points against the teams that they should be winning against. And... I think AZ will drop points for the end of the season just because they've got such a, a thin squad. And if you no know, Pavlidis isn't scoring the goals, if Carlson's not scoring the goals, then, then who is? Um, 
So I think they will drop more points for the end of the season. But, you know, fair play to 20 this season. I, you know, they've struggled in the, the past couple of years, but this year they've, they've really clicked. And it's good to see them back up towards the top of the table. And, you know, in a couple of years, having another team that could eventually challenge, you know, the top three is always a good thing. You know, you want that at the top of the table and it's not just the same top three. You know, as they've done it the last couple of years, now 20 are coming back. So it's good for the league. It's good for you know, the European coefficient when you've got sides like 20 that are coming back who can go into Europe and and do something instead of teams qualifying and getting knocked out straight away, whereas a club like 20 can probably go far in a competition like the Conference League. So, yeah, good for them. Good on the manager and, and hopefully it continues for them. Yeah, I've been a fan of Ron Jans for many years and I think he... He with some extra cash to spend on Twente, which they always say they don't have, but Twente always spend it, um, especially after their mishaps with Steve McLaren with money. It's a bit weird. But yeah, I think if they can qualify for Europe and get some new signings in, they could be a, could be a good side. I think this season they're, they're just getting points without playing particularly well. They've got a few players such as Van Volkswinkel who can get goals without playing that well. Um, Lars Innistar is a brilliant goalkeeper, though. I think he's one of the big reasons why they're up there. But if you look at the midfield, the defence, you don't you don't see that you don't go, oh, that that player could be on the move this summer. They're going to be worth a lot of money uh, because they're not a team of stars. Actually, they've they've just got a lot of good squad players, like you pointed out. A lot of the youth players have stepped up too to give that kind of competition. You have got Vaclav Cherny, who's one of their better players on the bench at the moment. So they're doing well. They're doing really well. And I think, I think you're right with your point about the test. I don't think they're going to be now in the top five. I think with 20, they do have Helgers, who's come to the forefront this season, who looks like a very, very good young centre-back. And I think he's already been linked with Feyenoord in the past couple of days. And Istravalde, who's not had as good a season as he had last year, but he's still another good young prospect in there. And you know, there's a couple of players in there that have the chance to become good very good players and them too will be the, the highlight of them but it's whether they can keep those players to take that next step or is yeah. Helga's going to be signed by Feyenoord next summer for like 2 million um, whereas you know it, it was not so long ago that 20 were the side they were signing players from Feyenoord because it was the other way around um, so to, be, to become that next step they need to not be a selling club they need to take the stance to as Ed has, and we're not going to sell to our rivals because we want to beat you. It's, you know, 20 can't become that club that becomes like, right, or PSV have put in an offer of 5 million for Helgers. We're going to sell them, and Ustavalde then goes to Feyenoord and it becomes a selling club. So you need to watch out for, for that. But at the moment, they seem to be a, a club on the rise. Yeah, long may continue. I always like seeing the, the bigger clubs do well in the Netherlands because it does give competition at the top. And it's, it's great to see clubs that have they've got that sort of size and all, all the fans, you know, join those European games again. Twente had some poor, poor European runs when they were qualifying for that. Uh, we want to see them in then qualifying for the group stages and, and win some games. But anyway, I want to, I want to come to a comment that someone that sent in and because um, I want to talk a, bit, a little bit more about that, that, that throwing decision. And I also want to talk about finals because they're still well within this title race. Um, Rainier sent a comment in on, on YouTube live. If, if you're not watching this live, by the way, do, do comment, please. Do, do send us something in on, on YouTube and um, we'll react to it. We'll get back to you afterwards. But he says that the referee stated that the image does not show that the ball was clearly out. So he still agrees 
on his on his original decision and the VAR's decision. I can see that point of view. I really can. I just feel as though when I look at that, I think the ball's out. Um, but then I maybe I'm getting a bit biased right now and I'm stubborn on my view on it. But I I don't I don't, you, you've got this reputation already of perhaps looking more kindly on Ajax for refereeing decisions. And then that something like this comes along and it, it doesn't help that reputation, does it? No. And the good thing there is referee transparency in the Netherlands. You know, you wouldn't get this in the Premier League where a referee comes out and says, well, yeah, this is why. Well, yeah, came out in the post-match interview and yeah. talked about it. Um, so that's a good thing. But, you know, there does need to be more clear. I know they've got to go on technology. So, like, Maybe they don't have a Hawkeye thing that they can see if the ball's actually crossed the line on the actual touchline. But when games come down to such minute details mm. and you have something like VAR, then there needs to be every angle looked at it that is possible. And there's got to be cameras everywhere in the Phillips Stadium. It's not as if it's Canberra Stadium or it's not as if it's Go Ahead Eagle Stadium where you know there might be not every single angle. It's, this is a top top match and these, these decisions to be 100% correct. And I know that it wasn't the deal in the past before, Hawk, before let's say Hawkeye, VAR. But you know, when it comes down to these minor details, this is the time when VAR should be the one that comes to the forefront and solves it and shows mm. clearly why that decision was made. But now they're still saying that they can't can't do that. So I mean, what is the point of VAR if they can't conclusively show that that what that ball was now a play? Um, but again, it's one of these things in football with your side of decisions that's going to rumble on and it's going to be a, a topic for debate over the next week, two weeks, end of the season. If Ajax win it by, say, two points, PSV are going to put an asterisk next to that and say, look, it's going to come down to the fact that <laughs> that one decision. So, yeah, it's, it's one of these things that it's a shame. As I said, it's a shame that we're, we're discussing that, but it's... and. I do think the referees in a tough position. It's, it's, it should be VAR that comes to say, right, if this is in or out. You know, if he thinks it was in, then VAR should then step in and be like, look, we've looked at it from every angle. If it's out, it's out, and they overrule it. So, yeah, it's, it's tough for the referee to get that 100% spot on because it's, it's difficult. It you is. Know, if we've seen the images, we can't even tell right now, then it should be VAR that comes out and says either way. But until we have that absolute conclusive proof, it's going to be one of these decisions that's just going to rumble on my initial thought was Masrawi's going to get his karma for the time he kept the ball in against Real Madrid that decision um if, again if you're watching on, on YouTube I'm going to show a picture of it right now um da -da -da -da, if I press share now I hope that's up on screen and the that that one against Real Madrid that was close <laughs> but very similar to be honest to the one with um with Blin. That night, I was a, being a Dutch football fan and I wanted Ajax to win and I wanted that ball to stay in. Little difference day. Um, and I, I, I thought, well, maybe that hasn't quite quite crossed the line, but it was the same. They spent so long on that decision. Did, was your initial feeling that that was in on that night, Mike? Yeah, I mean, but that was bias. <laughs> so, <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's clouding my view. Yeah, I mean, when you, if, as I say earlier on, if you're an Ajax fan, it was 100% in today. And if you're a Dutch football fan, that was 100% in that night. So, I mean, it's it's difficult. As as fans of Dutch football as we are in that game, we're going to say, yeah, yeah, it was definitely in. It was 100% in. Even Ajax Twitter account was taking, taking a mickey about that goal today as well. 
or that decision today. So it's yeah, there's always going to be decisions that you can go back and say if it got ruled out today, it's karma for Mizrahi. But I mean, you have to say both decisions have gone in Ajax's favour. So luck seems to be shining on them. I mean, yeah, it doesn't it didn't help that it was also a decision. I think this season the test against NEC Nijmegen, where um, the ball was kept in play. Uh, but I think let's not get into more dodgy decisions over the balls in, over the balls out now. Um, I say we talk about finals, and I think they deserve uh, talking about again, even though we some people think they're out of the title race because actually they're they're not that far away. They they could even potentially take second place at this moment in time because they're not far away from PSV if they have a few bad results. And they're six points behind Ajax. But they they have had a, a, such an impressive season under Arna Slot that it that they, he deserves praising once more of just the job that he's done, that people didn't expect final to be where they are on the table, winning all the games that they are. Um, but he, but he's, he just seems to be a lot more of a tactical maverick than Dick Avocat, but I think that was obvious. And he deserves the, I don't know, Everton Hogg's getting praised, but why aren't we talking about Arna Slot a lot more? I think it's it's just easy to to always praise Ten Hag because what Ajax do in the Champions League and the top of the table, so automatically he's going to get the the praise and he's you know he was there for the Ajax run to the, the semi-finals. But you know Slot has proven himself to be a great coach and what he needs to do is take this final side to compete at the top for him to get that sort of recognition. Mm. Um, he needs to take them to to the next level and you know. Dick Advocat was a shambles last season. We can all agree on that. And and Feyenoord were tough to watch and fans were very frustrated and, and Slot comes in and the season is is a lot better for them. But there's still the games like last week where they lost. So, I mean, there's there's ups and downs with, with Feyenoord. They're not going to win every game. It's still going to be tough for them to win the title, but today's result puts them right back into contention because they aren't that far behind. And... If, and we'll see right now, it's a big if. If they win their games coming up to that game with Ajax and they go into Amsterdam and win that game, then they are back into it, definitely. But that's what they would need to do to win the title. They would need to go to Amsterdam and beat Ajax in Amsterdam to like weigh down a marker, which which is possible. I mean, I think they're going to make another couple of signings before the end of the transfer. And it looks like Jorah Hendricks is signing for them. Um, that's breaking news tonight that he's on his way to the to Rotterdam and whether that's he's going to be uh, a great sign from is is out there. I would have said that Bazura would have been the the better one, um, but you have to say that the recruitment has been good this season. The, the players have brought in, so if they think that Hendricks will improve them, then you got to say that they're doing well recruitment wise. So I think all over the pitch they've got. Strength because Bio is one of the best goalkeepers in their division. I think we can all agree on that. They've got a strong defence with Moasia, Gertrauda, Senese, Trauner. That's a great defence, and hopefully they don't lose Senese before the, the transfer window shuts. And then in the midfield, they've got Kotsu playing the best football of his career so far. Yeah. And then up front, they've got. Sinistera coming back from injury, he's going to be a big plus for them. But then they've got Brian Winston scoring goals and they've got depth with Johan Bakash and 
Don't say Reese Nelson because he hasn't been that great. <laughs> I was going to say Jordan Sherwood if he comes on the wing. You know, Reese Nelson's not been showing anything since he he came, but you know, they play Trinster sometimes there, and yeah, I think they've got the new two new players that are brought in, um, young Swedish winger and the American midfielder. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how good they are and how they can adapt to the league. So it's a, it's just a, a very interesting club at the moment because I think that they've got a great coach. They've got a great side and they've got great youngsters coming through. So, I mean, it's it's a good project to be keeping an eye on and it's interesting to see how they develop over the next couple of years because yeah. if they can get a good, really good striker in the summer, and that's no disrespect to Linson, no disrespect to, to Dessers, but I think to take them to the next level, they need to find a really, really good striker and build from there. Because I can see in the summer, Sanese definitely going and I can see Kochu going. And then it's what do they do from there? Do they strengthen or do they become the final of all two losers of players and don't really take the next steps? So we'll see how it goes because someone like Joey Verman would have been perfect for them, but they couldn't compete with PSV. So until they can get their finances right, sell Kochi for 20 plus million in the summer and then use that money to compete with Ajax and, and PSV to, to give sort of players that he deserves to be coaching and then take that next step because I think that they have the youngsters coming through, solid foundation and a great coach. So that everything's there for success. They just need to to be able to compete money wise with the, the other top two. So yeah, I, I can't praise Saw enough for what he's done this season. I think that they will go from strength to strength for the next couple of years. Until he inevitably gets pinched by another club. Yeah. <laughs> you summarized it all very well there. I think you have to go and win something first or will really lay down a marker in the league if he's going to go slot. He's got a few years ahead of him there, for sure. They're going to get rid of a couple of plays in the summer. They're going to get some money for them. I, I agree, Kochi, probably, probably Sinesi will do that. I think Arsenis is probably the replacement midfield already. He's doing really good. They've got some some good midfielders, good wingers to, to go with. And uh, like you said, they just need to add that striker. They need to add um, a new centre-back to go next to Trauna, someone's a bit pacier maybe, and they're set. They've got a very good team. I hope they can keep it together. I, I think they'll do some damage in Europe this season still. I said that start of the season. I still think that they're going to do something there. Uh, they've, they've got the leagues kind of slipping away. If they can admit that and they're, they're well-placed in third, they're, they're set to, to go and win games in Europe and to make the most of that. And I think that their fans would love that too. For people that are listening, Mike, um, can I get this right? The, the the Netherlands lockdown is ending soon, or easing at least, and fans allowed back in stadiums after the two-week break that's coming now? Yeah, I've seen it's been announced in the past couple of days that fans are coming back into the stadiums, which will be a big relief for, for all the clubs, especially one like Feyenoord who does rely on having that crowd there and I think that it will add extra dimensions to it. You know, nobody wants to see a, a PSV versus Ajax with no crowd. I mean, that takes it away and no one wants to see Ajax versus Feyenoord without a crowd, even though we all know that there won't be any away fans in there. But yeah, these games that are coming up are crucial and you want them to be played in front of a, a full stadium and that is coming back, thankfully. Because, you know, Omicron... You know, we're not going to go down a rabbit hole talking about coronavirus, but, you know, it doesn't seem to be as, as potent as previous 
variants and I know it can still do damage, but it seems that where we are in, in Britain, you know, I'm in Scotland, you're in you're in England and you know, football fans are still being allowed in England and are back in Scotland. So you, you get that impression that other countries will start to, to follow that. The ones that have been banning them will start to bring them back in and you know, that's the right step for the Netherlands and the sooner the better, really. Yeah, and from from an English point of view, it it does feel remarkably like normal, like usual here. And I know people around the world will listen to this and and probably not feel that way at all. That things are very different, things are very scary, and things are still very restricted. Netherlands had it particularly bad with restrictions, and there's no fans for quite a long time again now. Whereas in the UK, yeah, it's in the Premier League. There's, there's been fans all along, and it's not changed because the risk has been accepted. I th- but yeah, that's people different people to think about and to have their views on, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, I think we'll finish today, Mike. One last question. Frank de Jong, potentially by Munich, Chelsea was mentioned. January, the summer, what do you think is, is ahead of him? For me, I can't see him staying at Barcelona past the summer. I think that mm-hmm. the Spanish media are getting on him too much and there's just something not clicking his game there he just seems becoming very frustrated and you know we all thought when he went there that that was a match made in heaven but yeah I don't think it is anymore um I think that it's like now we can all say that Willie Van Hal said some strange stuff but he did come up with a quote that when Barcelona lose it's always the foreigners fault <laughs> now let's not get too into those comments but it is a thing that as soon as Barcelona lose a game or Barcelona draw a game, the players that get targeted are usually Frankie de Jong or Memphis. And we saw that in midweek when they lost the, the, was it the cup game against Bilbao, that Frankie de Jong was getting criticised. Even though he started on the bench and came on in the second half, it seemed that the Spanish media aimed it all at, all at him for an unacceptable performance. And yeah, it wasn't great, but it seems to be every single week when they drop points that it's always Frankie's fault. Um, and it is going to come to a situation where he is going to leave. And my hope is that it would be Bayern Munich. I think that Bayern Munich would be a great club for him. I think he could excel in the Bundesliga and excel in that midfield. The Premier League is is a tough one. I think he would do well there. Um, I'm not a fan of Chelsea, so I hope he doesn't go there. Um, but, yeah, Let's hope that, for a Netherlands point of view, he goes somewhere where he's appreciated, loved, and gets his form back. Because right now, he looks like he's playing with his ankle strapped and, and people pulling him down. He's not able to to showcase himself anymore because I think he's too worried now about making errors or not doing things right or losing the ball because he knows he's just going to be targeted for it. And he's just playing without confidence and he needs to go somewhere where he's loved again and I think that would happen at Bayern Munich and I think that would be the great move for him I don't think it's going to happen this month I think Mark went ahead and said that it could happen this month I think that's been discredited by journalists in in Germany saying that it wouldn't happen in January but in the summer go for it because Barcelona is just a tough club to be a part of at the moment and Memphis is seeing that he's getting linked to moves elsewhere already Um, I mean it's strange to say that the the Dutchman who's having the most success at Barcelona at the moment is Luke de Jong. So, I mean, that's that tells you everything about that club at the moment. And 
we're seeing it everywhere. You know, you've you've got Van der Beek at Man United in an absolute hopeless situation. Um, you got some players in France not doing it. Bordeaux, Stengs not doing it there. You've got other Dutch players around Europe just not performing as they should be. Um, and you know that's a headache for Van Hal because if Frankie de Jong loses his place in that Barcelona side, what does Van Hal do? Because he's taken that rule with Van der Beek that if he's not playing, he's not getting called up. If, Van der, if Frankie de Jong gets dropped by Xavi and stops playing, does he then stop getting called up, knowing how crucial he is for the, the Netherlands midfield? I don't think he does. I and mean, I don't know if, what your opinion on that would be if, if Frankie Young got benched, would you bench him for the Netherlands? I genuinely think that that De Jong would still be at games unless he was completely frozen out like Van der Beek is. That seems to be a different scenario entirely, where he just is not getting looking. De Jong is too good to leave out, but you might say the same about Van der Beek when he left Ajax. Yeah, I I, I think it's a situation where he had Sillison at one point. I, I can't remember who the manager was. Sillison wasn't getting games and he was still playing because he was a very good option for the Netherlands. Whenever he put the Netherlands jersey on, that was it. He was playing well. I think Zion would be the same. And some of his quality as well is too good to leave out and he's too good not to play at a European club. So you're looking at someone like him wanting to make a move. I can't believe Van der Beek hasn't made a move. But then, yeah, he has been offered enough opportunities even if it was Newcastle. And I can't understand why anyone goes to Newcastle. But if you're given lots of money <laughs> and you give them the playing time, then you go, wouldn't you? I think he's rejected Newcastle. That was a story that came out a few weeks ago where, I mean, that, that would be a shock to me if, if he's decided that he would rather, I would question Van der Beek's attitude, if he's decided he'd rather sit on the Manchester United bench rather than go to Newcastle and play week in, week out. We now, can't even get him Exactly. I mean, we all know Newcastle are near the bottom of the table, and that's going to improve after what happened yesterday. You know, there's going to be some players coming in that's going to all go better. Even Mitchell Backer's coming in. Um, we'll see what happens with that one. But um, I think if Van der Beek, he's waiting for the end of the window to see what happens in the next week. I know his agent situation is, is clouding everything, but if nobody comes in for Van der Beek, and he's decided that he would rather sit on the bench than play for Newcastle week in, week out. I would I would then question Van der Beek's attitude and whether he actually does want to to get back into that Netherlands side. Because why wouldn't you go in and play week in, week out for fifty thousand fans who would who would love you and and give you that confidence back? But we see it's still eight days left in the, the window. I think there'll be a lot of moves. In the next week, we'll see what happens with Bergvine. We'll see what happens with Van der Beek. Just another couple of Dutchmen who could be on the move. I Hatterin. There's, there's still business to be done. So it's going to be a busy entry transfer window. But if Van der Beek stays at Manchester United, then it's it's a shambles for, for his career because it's just not happening. <laughs> you can't just keep getting one minute at the end of games because um, he's way too good for that. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I think that's a nice plug to say that if you want to get the latest transfer news, go to footballadani.com and it will be a very busy last week or so of the window. And you know where to get all the news about your Dutch footballers. So let's let's end there, Mike. A good podcast. And if anyone's listening and wants to give us a comment, do drop it on, on YouTube. What you thought of PSV Ajax? Was a ball in? Was a ball out? Were Ajax a better team? 
or do you want to comment about something else we've talked about today? Do comment, get involved, get discussing all the latest Dutch football happenings. We always get a good turnout um, when it, after, after we've had a podcast with your thoughts. So send them in. And if you enjoyed the podcast, do give the like and subscribe wherever you're listening. Hopefully we can hit over a thousand listens again across all of our platforms. Um, thanks for listening and much more to come from Football Adania very soon. Stay tuned to all of our platforms. Bye for now.